If you had to pick one technology that you had to stick with for the rest of your career, what would you choose? What do you mean? Like, if you could only publish your articles to a phone or a tablet or a browser, which one would you end up going with? Okay, honestly, a tablet would not even make the list. But between a phone and a browser, I would say a phone. Really? Yeah, I mean, I see more potential for growth, more ways to engage the audience through, like, notifications, different configurations of text, all sorts of things. I don't really see desktop publishing changing from what it is now. All right, that's fair. I personally would pick a browser because I think it has more lasting power and it can technically work on a phone. But even some institutions out there are with you, Blake. For example, the Newark Office of Information Technology just launched an initiative to teach Newark residents how to build their own mobile apps through Gadget Software's interface. It's focused on community centers and aims to give residents some of those newfangled 21st century skills. We've interviewed Seth Weiner, the CIO of the Newark Office of Information Technology. We'll dive into Newark's newest in just a bit, but first, the news. How does the brain function when students think about mathematics, or rather, when they see it? That question is posed in a new report authored by Stanford University mathematics researcher Dr. Joe Bowler and brain researcher Dr. Lang Chen. The paper posits that according to embodied cognition researchers, the way in which we, quote, posture, gaze, gesture, point, and use tools when expressing mathematical ideas, end quote, contributes to students' abilities to understand and hold mathematical ideas in their brain. Schools are awash in data, but two-thirds of the 4,600-plus teachers surveyed by the Gates Foundation found that existing digital tools are falling short of helping teachers effectively collect, analyze, and use that data. The tools they do have are often too time-consuming to use. One possible solution? Emulate the innovative schools who are doing it right. Is online tutoring the future of personalized learning? Schooly CEO Dave Frey answers that question with an argument for the benefits of one-on-one digital instruction over the in-person equivalent. Quote, as online tutoring resources develop full suites of interactive tools in addition to the benefits of accessibility, affordability, and flexibility, they are bound to become far more effective than in-person tutors, he writes. On April 7th, Google announced an addition to Google Classroom. The addition, a new polling feature that offers users the ability to gather feedback or conduct checks for understanding. To celebrate the launch, Google published an announcement with four teacher-sourced ideas for using the feature in instruction. For example, one New York educator uses polling to help guide a career discussion with her students. And now it's time for ka New York-based CareDocs announced a $4.3 million round, broken down into $2.8 million in seed funding, led by Texo Ventures and Prolog Ventures, and a $1.5 million venture debt agreement with Western Technology Investment. CareDocs provides a mobile medical record system for K-12 schools, storing student health information, including immunization records, medical history, medications, and dietary needs. Macmillan Learning has acquired WriterKey, a tool that allows teachers to give written and verbal feedback on digital writing assignments. Terms of the deal were not disclosed. 
Launched in 2013, WriterKey is one of several Key products developed by Keys to Engage, a Ridgefield, Connecticut-based company that also builds tools to support tutoring, STEM exercises, and surveys. So why are mobile apps important, especially to students? Well, I mean, smartphone ownership is only growing. During our interview, Seth Weiner said that a smartphone is basically an essential tool for navigating the modern world. I can't really argue with him. I'd be lost without the Titanic. And I don't think young students are so different. The Titanic? Yeah, like, the Titanic is sinking when I plug my iPhone into iTunes. Ah, sinking is in S-Y-N-C. Yeah. Uh, Okay, I'm kind of unimpressed. I mean, I didn't come up with the joke, but, like, would you prefer if it was, like, a deeper cut from history, like a World War II reference? Maybe the German U-boat is sinking, or the Lusitania is sinking because of a torpedo. Okay, anyway, I understand that students will find the benefit of smartphone ownership, but what about the adult audience? Well, Seth acknowledged that this is a challenging group to capture, especially when you're trying to get them to learn a new skill. I liked his emphasis on the need for convenience to meet users where they are in terms of their learning and physical terms, like community centers, and I liked the quote, it has to be right next to you as you walk by and choose not to go. He also said the reward for these mobile coding skills is much larger. It could be future economic empowerment, like a new job. All right, well... I'm maybe not necessarily convinced, but I'm certainly intrigued. So let's hear from Seth. And listeners, I had one question lingering in my mind during the whole interview about Newark's past failures in educational ventures. Stay tuned till the end of the interview to hear it when I finally get to ask Seth the one question I really wanted to know. And let me know on Twitter, at Blakers Dozen, if you want to add to the discussion. Can you tell me what this initiative is in your own words? Sure. Um, This initiative, which we have affectionately called uh, the City of Code um, in some literature, is the city's way of saying that we need to be doing everything we can to provide free opportunities for young people and for adults to get into coding and to become comfortable um, with digital technology because this is going to drive the careers of the future. It's already driving the careers of the present. And so we've taken really aggressive steps to create public spaces that are wired, that are accessible, that have high-speed indoor Wi-Fi and uh, free computers and laptops that residents can use. And we are extremely happy that Gadget Software, based out of Newark, New Jersey, provides a really pleasant learning experience for youth and adults alike. And thus far, we're, we're very happy with how the pilot program has gone, and we're going to ramp it up real big so that more and more residents can have access to these kinds of resources. Yeah, uh, I was talking earlier with Gadget about the pilot. Can you share with me some of the insights that you guys have gleaned from that? I'm sorry, can you say that again? Can I share with you some of the... Some of the insights from the pilot. Yes. Um, things we learned. We learned that this is attractive and this is engaging, and we learned that parents are interested in doing it with their children. And we learned that we should be talking about it a little bit better. We weren't really doing a great job of getting the word out. We're, we're kind of techies. We're not really the best at like the branding side of it. Um, so we had about 25 students going through the class at three different sites. And uh, the final products were gorgeous. You know, you look at the, the products that people created, and it's almost unbelievable. You know, you look at it and you say, well, I don't understand. How do they make a shopping site where I can, is that t-shirt real? Can I buy that t-shirt? Well, it looks like it's asking me to pay. You know, this is all very 
uh, plug-and-play using Gadget's overall platform. So we learned that you can go from zero to something really meaningful very quickly, and we learned that it creates community, and it creates people who are interested in following up and doing more and more. Uh, but we we also on the on the things we can improve. We need to meet. We need to reach more people. We're not reaching enough people, and we're not engaging perhaps as well as we could the community organizations that are already strong and already on the ground. One basic example is just parents and kids doing things together. But more importantly, we can also be working with like the housing authority a little more hand in hand, which is kind of where we're get we're going. We could be working with My Brother's Keeper, which what is a really you, popular nonprofit here in the city. What would you do with on. the housing authority? We focus it on residents. We focus it on locations that are easy to get to and times that are easy and convenient. So there's a lot of, the truth is that when you're trying to do a training of any kind um, with people whose time is, is very valuable to them, you know, people have jobs that are odd hours, and if they miss a, an hour, it can be really significant. So it's important that we're aware of that and that we do things in a way that's really convenient. We're not making it convenient. We're going to miss out on a lot of market, right? We're going to miss out on people that should be taking the class or would like to take the class. And so if we're going to work with the housing authority, we'd like to do it at a housing authority facility like the waterfront or the clubhouse, both of which are near to larger facilities. We can market it to residents in their bills, in their water, you know, right, in, their, uh, in the lobbies of their buildings. So, would it be, is it possible for you to share with me some numbers from the pilot? Like the number of students reached, the, uh, or students and participants kind of in general, and the number of apps they have created? I think we did. I was going to say, don't quote me on this, but obviously you, you're going to quote me on this. Um, <laughs> I think we did a, a three classes during the week for a total of, I believe there were 10 week classes. We had a very high return rate um, for students, but we had a low overall student count. I think we averaged something like six to eight students per class on any given day. Um, what I would like to do, perhaps, I can send you a link to the gadget final product that's like public, and you can see it. When you look at it, you, again, your, your eyes are going to be like a little bit, they're going to bug out because you say, well, <laughs> this is amazing. Like, how do they make this? You know, this is like, this looks like a, um, uh, I don't know what the right word is. Like a cheap store, like an LL Bean. You know, it was like <laughs> they're they're making they literally put together like a website to sell clothing, and you're like, this is this is amazing, you know. And mm -hmm. the gadget platform encourages people to learn these kinds of things because it's easy to get a really beautiful final product. So I think the numbers are 25. I could I'll pull them exactly, but it's 25 overall students spread out over three classes over a 10 week period. And what we're looking to do in round two is we're looking to add on a fourth class for adults, and we're looking to double the attendance overall. So we're looking to reach more like 50 students um, over the subsequent 10 weeks. Mm -hmm. And what's, what's the overall goal for what these students will do once the class is over? We're trying to create a variety of on-ramps and community around coding. So we're attacking the market in many different sectors. Okay, one is this, which we branded again as City of Code, which is sort of a free after-school coding experience. Additionally, when students reach 18 plus, we have a also free code to get a job course we call Art of Code, which focuses on more like nuts and bolts front-end web development. We also have a variety of recreational coding experiences that people can attend on their own that are also free. 
through um, our local branch of Code for America called Code for Newark. And then there's a few other opportunities like that. So what we're really trying to do, we, 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 we were trying to get, we're trying to attack the market at, in many different pieces to get people interested in this and create ways for them to stay on. So if you graduate from a class like this, maybe your next step is you attend a local, a hack, we just did a hackathon uh, last weekend on um, City of Newark public data around like summer activities. You know, we had like a list uh, hosted on the web of like all the summer activities. We're trying to build an app for finding a good activity based on what you want to do. So we're trying very hard to create, you know, three or four different um, vertical is not the right word, but different uh, opportunities that are kind of permeate through and through the city. And again, we accept the fact that like we're not as city government, we can really we can do a lot to foster this, but we can't do everything. And so the more we can partner with existing institutions that have a strong footprint in people's lives, the better. So if it's the again, if it's the housing authority or my brother's keeper, or there's a group, youth group called Youth Build we're going to start working with, hopefully, um, or the colleges and whatnot. Like, these are, these are ways that we keep it, we, we, we increase our traction where we make things um, uh, closer to people's hearts. You know, they, they walk out the door. We don't want them to think, like, they have, to be started, they have to get some sort of special flyer from the city to learn how to code. We want this to be all over the place. Mm -hmm. And what's the goal even like one step beyond that? Is it like economic empowerment or? Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. For sure. For sure. The, the overall goal is like to upscale the labor force and to create hundreds of thousands of people who are ready to, um, who are better positioned to take control of the economic future and say they can make a living doing this and they can, think about things differently and they have more opportunities available to them for sure, for sure. Economic empowerment. And there's, you know, we're partnering with the public schools as well on a, on a grade school kind of approach, mm -hmm. but big picture. Yeah. We absolutely want to do um, everything we can do to empower the residents of Newark to do whatever it is that they want to do. And we think it all involves tech. I mean, right. not everyone's going to be a front end developer. We're starting a graphic design course because we think that's an important part. of like the, the new digital world we all find ourselves in. We're partnering with the library on that. We want to give people whatever it is that they're naturally inclined to do, design or code or um, produce content or, or be entrepreneurial, whatever it is, we just want to empower them to do that. But on the other side of that question, do you think someone would be qualified to get a job after completing one of these 10-week courses on mobile apps? No. I don't think after completing the 10-week course to put things together using gadget software, you're qualified to get a job. Um, but perhaps in my case, it's a reasonably good example. I never went to school for technology. I went to school for uh, politics and was always interested in city government. And having like a natural tendency, a natural proclivity for technology, let me kind of take advantage of various opportunities I saw. So if an individual goes to the 10-week course and stays involved with um, learning how to code, then when they move on to whatever it is they do, whether it's something in the arts or even in retail or whatever, they're going to have the skills to put two and two together and put technology into their, into their workspace and make themselves more valuable to their company. And if they want to do something, you know, on their own or um, at a higher paying uh, rate that they'll be equipped to do that. So this is really an on-ramp. It's not like 
the, it's not the, it's not the be all and end all. We don't think going through this 10 week course is going to qualify them for a job. We do have a different 12 week course that meets 12 hours a week. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, is it 12 or is it six? They do three, three and six. Yeah, it's 12. So they do 12 weeks, 12 hours a week. And we do think when students get out of that, that they are qualified to do basic web work, which is really dynamite. Right. That sounds, I see what you're saying with the dichotomy. Um, who's funding the initiative? In this case, this is through the Newark Housing Authority in partnership with the Prudential Foundation focused around a variety of digital literacy programs that align with the city's bigger goals. So the city puts in some funding for some pieces of the infrastructure, the housing authority puts in funding for others, and um, Prudential Foundation is at the table through and through. Audible.com has donated a lot of the computers for the recreational centers, so it's kind of a combination of available resources. Very cool. And why why the focus on mobile apps? as the linchpin of this program? Um, Part of it is just meeting people where they are. So the gadget software tool is terrific for developing mobile apps for in the commercial space, frankly, as well. What they do for mobile with like the online e-commerce platform, any of that actually also looks pretty darn good from desktop. So it's not like, you know, it's not necessarily like it's building exclusively apps per se. It's also just building like responsive web design, web design that looks good on a mobile phone. And I don't think it's any surprise that, you know, when you can't afford, when you're lower down on the income scale, um, there's still a a high level of saturation for mobile phones. So people who maybe can't afford, um, you know, a fancy Mac computer still have a mobile phone. Why? Because it's kind of a utility today. You really do need a mobile phone to get around the world. And so, Mobile web design is not only on the cutting edge of what everyone's doing, but it's also very accessible to residents. Residents have mobile phones, and they, you know, they they understand exactly what this is. This is how you, this is how you build the thing that I'm going to be going on my phone now looking for. You know, so I think it's a twofold approach. I think if you look at Flatiron School, or you look at some higher end web design classes. We don't really don't want to be in a position where a Mac, a two thousand dollar MacBook, is like a prerequisite for starting. You know, we're really that's just not the section, the sector of the market that is most relevant to residents. Instead, we're trying to focus on the things that are right there, that are in your face, that are a part of the world around you. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned accessibility to lower income brackets. Are those your target demographics? And it's our city. It's it's what we are. You know, we are uh, um, a city that is in tremendous need of economic empowerment and opportunity, and we have uh, unfortunately very high poverty rates and joblessness rates and we need to combat that, and that's you know, that's just that's the demographics. You know, I, I wouldn't. I, I'm probably going to quote these all wrong, but you know, our median income is is significantly lower than than New York City, for example, and our um, youth in poverty rates are very high. And, and this is where we are. And so we, we this is where we this is where we were starting, and we know where we have to go. We have to go up. Mm-hmm. And are there age demographics you're specifically trying to reach? In the art of code, I'm sorry, in the city of code, in this particular kind of brand, we focused the first, the first round on kind of the 12 to 18 demographic, but we realized that a lot of adults were really interested. And so we're going to branch it into, we're going to, we're going to try and segment the classes. So you don't sign up for a Tuesday class and, you know, it's a uh, one random adult with a whole bunch of kids, but we want to do things intentionally. So we're, we're thinking of a, a parent and student class where they kind of share a computer, which is fun also because like, 
I'm sure a lot of these kids spend a lot of time showing their moms and dads how to use the computer anyway. So this is like an, an interesting thing they can do together. Um, and then we're, we'll do like some adult-only classes that'll focus on particular skills and, and all that. Very cool. And how do you differentiate those kind of classes? Is it just by source material or are instructors kind of approaching it different ways? And so is the city approaching them different ways? I think the source material is actually going to be reasonably similar. I think that's one of the nice things about Gadget that it appeals to. It gives you the tools to build and what you want to build is, what, is what's inside of you, right? So if I, if I sat down to build something, I might build something on, you know, cool way to browse different cars or something about the solar system because that's what I'm talking about with my two-year-old these days. But so the, the, the student brings a lot with them to the table, the code itself, right? The idea of what HTML is and what the doc, what the, um, the, the DOM is and uh, how to use these modules and plug them in. The code isn't going to change all that much between the youth class and the adult class. The teachers will have a slightly different focus, perhaps, but it's more, I think we're going to be, it's going to be driven more by content, by timing, you know, so the youth classes are going to focus on uh, after school hours. I think the adult class will probably need to, based on some survey or feedback, might be during the day, might be a little later in the evening, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. yeah. Right. And, um, sorry. And you sure. mentioned the you mentioned the twelve to eighteen demographic. How will so obviously those kids are hopefully in school. Um, how will this initiative like integrate with their curriculum in like Newark's dis, uh, public district schools? The public schools are taking really big strides to make everything digital, right? Both as a combination of um, what they need to be doing for their testing regimen, as well as like they're making heavy investments in Chrome bases. They're trying to get to like a one-to-one -one level, I think, for how many Chrome bases all the various students have. And they're moving, they're moving towards, they, I think they call it um, like logical thinking or something. They, they, there's like a particular word for what they try to expose the students to, the, the method of problem solving that focuses a little bit on, yes, 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 yes. So they're making big investments in that respect. Um, we don't control the school district's curriculum, but we do partner with them. And so, for as an example, um, they moved over to Google where all the students have, if you log in, if I log in as Seth Lander, I'll see, you know, my uh, a school custom, I have a school customized email, I'll see my classes, I'll see this, I'll see that. Well, the computers that we put in the, the computers that we put in the Centers of Hope are all Chrome bases. And so you can actually log in your Google account right there and safely and securely do whatever you need to do for school. So we have an overlapping infrastructure that I think is smart. And we're partnering with the schools on a couple of fronts, but they're kind of carrying the ball on their own with regard to curriculum, which I think is good. They're doing, they're doing a, a good job. Cool. Um, and what do you think, what like problems do you think and hope this new initiative will solve? I think one of the most important things is that people in a difficult economic reality don't feel like they have any opportunities to climb out of that world, okay? And a lot of what we do at the city level, what the mayor has focused on, this is, this is all Mayor Baraka's um, squarely in line with everything he's trying to do with the city and what he affectionately calls Newark 3.0 is to provide opportunities for empowerment. From a big picture perspective, we just feel that 
the residents have not been empowered to um, do what they need to do to make more money, to take care of their family, to learn the right skills that are going to align them for 21st century jobs. And coding is something really kind of magical in that if you get good at it, you don't need that college degree. If you get good at it, your work speaks, speaks for itself. You have a portfolio. You could say, well, this, this is an app I built or this is a website I designed. And that's enough to get hired in some cases. You know, in others, it's not, it's not going to be, it's not going to be enough in every case, but it's, I think we, we're really excited about the prospect that this could be a pathway to success, kind of a fast ramp, uh, fast lane rather to get people past some of those initial hurdles. I mean, in the, in the high end coding world where they're, you know, really, really, really savvy people and very, very, very bright and have put a lot of years into honing their coding skills. Uh, a college degree is like secondary. You know, that's not what's important. What's important is show me your GitHub account. Show me what you've done. And so we just want to create opportunities for people and students and adults who are any way inclined to do that. We want to create an opportunity for them to succeed. And I think that this is a really nice thing because we're going to shine a big spotlight on it. We're going to highlight these final projects. We're going to talk about them. We're going to try to get people into um, the next class and the next class and the next class. We're going to try to get residents jobs based on this stuff. And, you know, we think it, we, we hope it will have a really transformative effect. I, I think it will. And as an extension of that question, what do you think this initiative or why do you think this initiative will solve the problems that a hundred million dollars of educational investment could not? So without getting too uh, sticky in the, the, the question of like education money versus these dollars, I will simply say that the these investments that we're making with the Housing Authority and the Prudential Foundation and audible.com are around providing just tangible opportunities for people to show up and succeed. And from what I read about the larger um, donation that you're referencing, that was not one of the outcomes that was sought. And that's totally cool. And I have not, you know, I have zero to do with that in that perspective. Um, I want to just be, I want to be in a city where there's like, you know, a thousand flowers blooming where, there's classes all over and there's or every organization has a stake in this and all of our nonprofits have understand why it's important. They have great websites with great content and they're hiring residents to develop that content and our, our troubled youth organizations that deal with keeping kids out of trouble see this as, as, as one option. We do a lot of urban farming. We do a lot of uh, civic engagement. This is a really strong piece of the stool where we can get people out of whatever reality they're in and into in front of a computer that they can use for free and into a room that's safe and colorful and they can uh, be themselves, you know, and they can learn something new and learn something that's really like totally exactly where the world is right now. You know, the world is in a hyper digital moment where like your grandparents and, and, and parents are all now getting the cool phones too, because like, that's just what's happening. If we want to keep people on the, on the cutting edge of that, and this is a, a nice shortcut to get there. That's a pretty, it seems like a pretty rosy outlook to me. Um, I mean, it'd, yeah. be, it'd be awesome if that happened, but have you seen that kind of success with other initiatives like in Newark or elsewhere? Um, no, I haven't, but I would say this, that the, the high end market for web development is like a very new industry. It's probably a couple years old. And it's very, very successful. 
All right. So when I say high end market, I mean like Flatiron or General Assembly. Mm-hmm. You pay fifteen thousand dollars and you get into a coding class and you do it super intensive for three to six months and you get out and you you absolutely have a job. You know, ninety nine percent job placement, that kind of thing. And so part of what you know innovative cities and innovative mayors are trying to do is they're trying to bridge this all the way down to the grassroots so that it's not just a question of do you have $15,000 and can afford the opportunity cost of not working for six months? It's how did that, you know, are the students really getting involved in this at an early level? I know personally from my experience, um, I had a really transformative experience when I was in like fourth grade that I had an after school robotics class and that taught me a tremendous amount about engineering that I carried with me all through life and I never got into engineering per se, but then when it came time to apply those principles, I was in a much stronger position. So we have a we start from a very difficult place. We start from, you know, I would I would humbly say like 60 years of divestment um, in American cities, and we are going to climb and grow out of that position. And this is a, this is definitely going to be a big piece of it. And there's a chance that it doesn't work, but in the big picture of whether or not it, it works or not, I think we're trying to open residents' minds. We're trying to empower people, and that we're definitely going to succeed at. Mm-hmm. The types of kids, the types of students that have come out of this so far are just like very, very exceptional people, you know, and you meet them and you say, oh, interesting. I didn't, I didn't know we, we, I don't know we had that talent. I didn't know that that was, um, I didn't know this, this, this person before they had this opportunity, they couldn't show me exactly how how amazing they were. And now that they have this opportunity, look how amazing they are. And that's also from a bigger picture perspective, we think we're going to be very successful in in that regard. Very cool. You used a phrase in uh, two questions ago, like we're, we're all about providing tangible opportunities um, for people yeah. to show up and succeed. What do you mean by that, that turn of phrase, like tangible opportunities? You got to be in, you know, it's like a retail game. You know, you need to be on first floor retail space. You need to be at the community center. You need to have a brand that people recognize. You need to have a flyer that people are going to listen to and a, a text message campaign. People are going to respond to you. got to be in people. You got to be in your face. You know, there's, there's a lot of noise. We just live in a very noisy environment, right? Where, um, and frankly, it's a noisy environment if you're, if everything's going perfectly fine in your life, mm-hmm. right? If you have any added difficulty of like trying not to get, you know, into um, trying to be, trying to safely get to school or trying to watch your sister or brother. We have two brothers that are taking the class together because like they hang out together after school. And, you know, so it's just a noisy environment. And we want to create, when I say tangible, I mean I want it to be really accessible. I want it to be like right within reach. I want people to have to walk past it if they don't want to go and say, oh, yeah, that's that coding program. You know, we really want to get that level of um, exposure in the community, and that's hard. You know, we're going to have to be here for a little longer. We're going to have to be ramping up our efforts. We're going to need to reach hundreds of students to the point that all those parents are saying, I want to do it. I want to do it. So we're focused on that, and the mayor's focused on that. How do we get this into students' life, you know, and everything else they've got going on, all the TV shows they want to watch after school or the, you know, whatever else they want to do, we've got to, we got to break through that kind of barrier. And that's, that's hard. You know, if they were easy, if they were easy to just reach everyone in the city and say, Hey guys, show up and, and you're going to be successful. That'd be one thing, but it's not, it's very difficult. It's very difficult to reach people. Mm-hmm. And, what and on a tight, but and on a tight budget, by the way, you know, fair. If we had unlimited funds. We could, you know, do a more, you know, we could do everything much more aggressively, but what we're trying to do is we're trying to prove that this is, uh, this is workable. And what is the budget for the program? Um, 
for this particular piece of it, it's it's super reasonable. I mean, I I, could, I don't know off the top of my head, but it's like a very small licensing fee for gadget software, and then um, the teachers are you know working at a really reasonable rate, and they're kind of they're all residents and they're just you know pseudo volunteering, pseudo working. So it's kind of cobbled together, and the Chrome bases are really affordable. That the Audible donated them anyway, but the Chrome bases themselves are very affordable. I think they're you know, a couple hundred bucks for a Chrome base and they can be wiped clean. And, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't say we're bootstrapping it completely, but, you know, we're not throwing money into, you know, advertising and those other things just because we're trying to, trying to cobble together a strong core here. Mm -hmm. And about the partnership with Gadget Software, um, what kind of brand recognition yeah. among like Newark residents does Gadget have? Like, what do they think of when they hear that you guys are part, that the office, that the city is partnering with Gadget Software? You know, to be honest, I was really surprised when I met Gadget a couple of months back. I was so happy that they were in Newark. I was like dumbfounded, you know, <laughs> and the CEO, Dan, and the whole team were just really impressive people. And uh, I probably stayed for like an hour and, and just chatted with them about their histories and what they had done and where the products are going and all that. And when I was done, I just remember feeling like I'm so glad you guys are here. You know, it's so interesting that this software company would choose to move to Newark. And we're seeing that little by little. We're seeing cool software companies, cool tech companies moving to Newark, and they're benefiting from an easy commute that's not over the bridge to New York or, mm -hmm. you know, a good market for what it is they're trying to sell. And to answer your question, I actually don't think there's a tremendous amount of brand recognition with Gadget, but we are so happy that they're here, and we anticipate a lot of growth from them in terms of their kind of uh, – organic growth and, and acquisition of new customers. Mm -hmm. And we think that we, we hope that they reap huge benefits from being here in the city. I mean, it's amazing to say we have a, we have a payroll tax in Newark, you know, it's amazing to say like this company moved here and their product is amazing and is totally uh, affordable and like is playing a big part in a lot of people's lives. I'd love to say that for many, many, many other companies. I'd love to say for every tech company that comes to Newark, I'd love to say that it's having a real impact in, in the city and making people um, live better, work better, smarter, earn more. Like that's amazing. Yeah. Is that well? Um, so those are all the questions that I have written down. Um, I guess my last one is like, what's next? We just need to scale it up. You know, we did this for these first three classes, kind of um, cautiously but optimistically. We had good results. We had good final products. We need more attendance, right? We need to double or triple attendance this year. We need to reach more facilities and more sites. We need to partner with more organizations that have a strong footprint in residents' lives that they already trust. So whether that's, we have a lot of nonprofits in Newark that do amazing work. We have the New Community Corporation. We have uh, um, the Urban League. We have the YMCA. We have My Brother's Keeper. We have a lot of organizations that are actively involved in the city. And so we need to show value. We need to partner in such a way that this becomes part of the fabric of the city and we make it go into something really big. We really want to get hundreds of students through the program, hundreds of adults through the program. So we have a long way to go. We're not, you know, we're not rosy eyed about that. We know that this is a, uh, into some respect, this is going to be a numbers game. Can we reach enough people? Well, we know that the product and what we're putting through is really great and is really in line with what the housing authority wants for its residents and in line thus far with what the various foundations that, the, that support these kinds of initiatives are really excited about. And we want to make it big, you know. Mm -hmm. So that's what, what's next. We got we got to make it big. Mm -hmm. What um, you mentioned that the pot, the pilot was cautious but optimistic. What would have been 
the fate of this program if the pilot did not go well? I think if we didn't have any turnout or we couldn't fill the three classes or the products were really bummy looking, you know, we might not have, we might have said, you know what, this is really hard. We don't, we can't really do this, but we've had a, a good influx of teachers that are willing to do it at, um, again, a, a cheap semi-voluntary way. We have uh, students that are interested and parents that are dropping off their kids and they're saying, this is, you know, we do want to do this another round. We really like this. So I think we easily could, if it was very hard, you know, if we couldn't get anyone to come out after school, I think we would have said, all right, to hell with it. Don't worry about it. But we've just seen a lot of interest and we continue to see interest and we continue to see this as a big piece of how we're going to make the city a high tech city and a tech ecosystem. Hmm. Very cool. Well, that's, that's all I've got. Is there anything you think we've missed? Anything you think we should be talking about? No, I think the big picture for me is just that we started round one with Gadget and they're a newer based company helping the city quite a bit. And we're going to move this, you know, into light speed and we're going to get more and more and more students going through it and grow it to the point that it's really big, sustainable and um, meaningful in residents' lives, you know? Awesome. That sounds great. Well, thanks cool. so much for taking the time to talk to me, Seth. Thanks, Blake. Much obliged. Props to Newark. Let's see if the city can keep the momentum going this time. I'm sure many people might remember that unfortunate Zuckerberg debacle from way back when. Listeners, thanks for joining us. And by the way, we're going to be traveling around the country this coming week. Several of us will be at the ASU GSV conference in San Diego on Monday. Mary Jo is venturing out to the UVA Curry School of Education in Virginia. And the higher ed team, they're headed to the OLC Innovate conference in New Orleans for April 20th to 22nd. Come say hello. If there's anything we aren't strangers to at EdSurge, it's traveling around the country. We love talking to people. We can't help it. And with that, I'm Blake Montgomery. And I'm Mary Jo Mata. We will see you next time. This is the Ed Surge Podcast.